The Unclaimed Property Podcast does not provide legal advice or tax advice. Please consult a licensed attorney for any legal advice pertaining to unclaimed property and consult a licensed certified public accountant or your tax preparer for any tax advice regarding unclaimed property. Any legal or tax-related statements made on the Unclaimed Property Podcast are anecdotal and used for illustrative purposes only. The Unclaimed Property Podcast is where you'll learn about the fascinating world of unclaimed property. Most importantly, you'll learn how to find your unclaimed property, retrieve it, and bring it back home, where it belongs. We keep things simple, interesting, and fun. Join us to learn how you can easily put more money in your pocket. Let's get started. Welcome, everybody, to our fourth episode. I'm your host, John Marcroft, and I'm joined by my co-host, my name is Courtney Moss. Hi, Courtney. How are you doing today? I'm good, John. How are you? I'm doing terrific. It's, uh, you know, we're recording on a Friday and I always like to say it's hard not to smile on a Friday, right? That is true. I, I'm currently smiling and <laughs> excited for the weekend. Terrific. That's awesome. So today we're going to cover um, the, uh, the California Claim Guide and the Checklist that uh, that's available on my website at simplestup.com where uh, where people can go who have unclaimed property or who maybe don't yet have unclaimed property but want to make sure that they have that tool in their toolbox when it happens because uh, as we've discussed in the past it's it's a virtual guarantee that all um, you know all adults in the United States will at some point in time have you know unclaimed property so it's a great tool to have in your financial tool toolbox uh, for when that day arrives. Uh, but in particular, if you have unclaimed property and you're not quite sure how to go about uh, retrieving it and you want some expert guidance, that's what the California Claim Guide and the Checklist are all about. And that's what we're going to cover today. The, uh, the guide itself actually covers everything from beginning to end, from, uh, from searching and locating your unclaimed property all the way to you know, how do you track a submitted claim? So it goes from finding it to gathering everything that you need, uh, submitting it to the state of California, and then tracking the progress of your claim within their system and what you can expect uh, when your claim is approved. Um, there is a 100% money back guarantee that's offered uh, on the product. So if, uh, if your claim ultimately is denied, uh, I absolutely guarantee your money back at that point in time. So there's really nothing to lose in, um, in obtaining this, uh, this information. And it'll make your life a lot easier. It'll make your claim process go much simpler and much smoother. And in the end, uh, again, I guarantee an approval or your money back. So, you know, how did this come to be, this uh, California Claim Guide and Checklist? Well, it's a, this is the product of 10 years of building an unclaimed property business. Um, I also built and maintained good relationships with the evaluators and management management team at the California Unclaimed Property Division, and uh, and those those folks shared a lot of tips with me on uh, what helps a um, a claim to be approved. And uh, uh, needless to say, those tips cannot be found out on their public website. Uh, so this uh, claim guide and checklist contain all of the information necessary in order to uh, get an approval. And as I mentioned, if your claim is not approved, then uh, your money 
for the purchase of the guide and checklist will absolutely be uh, returned back to you. Um, the way that the uh, the way that you can obtain the uh, the claim guide and the checklist is simply go to the website simplestup.com. Uh, you click on the shop page, uh, and uh, the uh, the claim guide and the checklist are going to populate as the very first product uh, that's available to you for purchase. Uh, it's just $25, and um, uh, it's something that you can keep forever. So, you know, say you have unclaimed property right now, and it's worth uh, maybe $300. Uh, you purchase the guide, you retrieve that money, and another year goes by, and, oh, you have another uh, unclaimed property account worth you know, $800. Well, you don't have to repurchase the guide at that point. You just pull it up. Um, it's a PDF that you can save uh, to your hard drive. Just pull it up and follow those same directions and you'll be able to uh, uh, retrieve that $800 and so forth and so on. So it's kind of an investment that you're making in um, uh, in your financial future as it pertains to uh, unclaimed property. So, John, let me uh, let me interrupt you here. So, I went on uh, simplesup.com and I purchased my own claim guide. Um, super easy checkout process, by the way. Yeah. Um, got everything as soon as I, you know, as soon as I put in my information, I got the information right on the next page. But there was one thing that um, was a little curious to me. I saw that there were five claim guides. Right. Yeah, it can it can definitely look like that. And and I'm glad you mentioned this because we, you know, did recently make some changes to the uh to the website to make things even simpler and easier for people. So I'm glad you mentioned it. So you said that all five uh showed up just bam right there. Is that right? Cuz that's right. how it's supposed to be. Okay. Right. Great. So as soon as you hit that purchase button or whatever the word is in the little button uh for purchasing, uh, bam, the, the guides were right there ready for down or the, 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 uh, the buttons were, the download buttons were right there. Is that what you're saying? Yes, exactly. Perfect. Okay. So, um, it's a great question. And so what those five, uh, downloads represent, and actually, actually there's a, there's an additional one you may have noticed, which is, uh, an instruction sheet. Yes. So uh, let's just stick with the the you know what we term guides. These are actually um, uh, claim processes, different and unique claim processes, depending upon how the account is owned and the situation on the ground, so to speak. So, in other words, is the owner still living or deceased? That would be a situation on the ground. Uh, type of thing. Um, whereas, you know, ownership would be, well, is there one owner? Are there multiple owners? You know, is it a trust that owns it and so forth? So how is it owned? Number one. And number two, what's the situation on the ground? And those two things then control the actual process that is necessary in order to get an approval. So what I did is uh, when I first sat down to uh, to put this together, I started to write just one, you know, overall document. And it didn't take me long to understand that, you know what, there is no way that this will be simple and easy for people to dig through 
and find the information that they need for their specific situation. So I identified the, uh, the common pathways to getting to an approval. Uh, and I identified five general uh, processes that require uh, different forms, uh, you know, documents and things like that, that, uh, that will get somebody to an approval. Therefore, simplifying, further simplifying the process so that it's really very streamlined. And uh, essentially what I did is I eliminated maybe, you know, 80 to 90% of information that people don't need for their particular situation when mm-hmm. they use the particular process uh, that fits their situation, if that makes sense. Right. Uh, but what's really important, you may have noticed this, the instruction, the instruction sheet. So did you use the instruction sheet? Did you go through that? I did, yes. Okay. And so tell me about that. What was that experience like? So like I said, it was pretty simple, really straightforward. Got the instruction sheet, read all the information and found out, you know, how to look for unclaimed property. Um, you know, and I was curious, so I did it for some family members as well. Um, and I, I looked to see, you know, what types of unclaimed property were out there, who had some unclaimed property. And then, you know, based on that instruction sheet, uh, I figured out, you know, for my uses, I would need the living owner, one reported owner uh, claim guide. And so I, I took a closer look at that one. But like I said, I saw that there were multiple ones. Okay. So did you find any unclaimed property for yourself, Courtney? I didn't find any for myself. I'm pretty young. I'm only 26. So wasn't wasn't much out there for me. But there was yeah. some for, you know, my brother, my mom, my dad. Um, and that, you know, that's just my immediate family. I'm sure there's lots more for everyone else that I know. Right. And so it sounds like what you did is you might have found, uh, you might have focused on a an account that belongs to a family member. And then you decided living owner, one reported owner for a particular account. Is Am I reading that right? Right. So, you know, we'll just say for, for my brother, um, I, I looked him up and he had, you know, a couple, um, a couple unclaimed property uh, accounts. And I figured since for him, he was just one single person. He was the only person, uh, you know, that the accounts were assigned to that, that that's something that he would need. Okay, perfect. So your brother would need to use that particular process in order to uh, get an approval on his, on his claim. Perfect. Um, and uh, uh, we'll come back to this, but did you, did you get a chance to go through the, the, uh, that particular part of the guide? Yeah, I checked it out. It's cool. like I said, you know, very, very informative. Perfect. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. So let's just cover real quick the different processes that people are going to see when they purchase the uh, claim guide. Um, the first one being the one that you just mentioned, the living owner, one reported owner, which is uh, represents probably, you know, the majority of, uh, on a percentage basis of, um, of unclaimed property accounts that are in California. Uh, and that of course means that, you know, there's only one name that's reported. There's no other name, not even a business or, you know, or, or anything. It's just one person's name. And then that person is also living. So that's a particular and unique claim process that people can use in order to retrieve money that's reported in that way. 
and in that situation. Uh, the next one is also a living owner type of claim, uh, but it's for multiple reported owners. So sometimes uh, you'll find that, um, and you may have, you might have found this for family members such as your mom and dad, where uh, it's very common for a married couple to have a joint account where both names are on the account as owners, say at a bank, uh, for example. It's also com common with insurance policies where there was the insured and the beneficiary and life insurance companies will often uh, report the, um, uh, the deceased uh, insured and the uh, living beneficiary on there. That would also be considered a living owner multiple reported owners, even though uh, one of the owners is deceased, uh, that's still, there's still a living owner uh, out there, in this case, a beneficiary of a life insurance policy, uh, who can then uh, move forward and use that particular process uh, in order to, you know, obtain an approval. So moving right along here, uh, the next one or the next three actually are uh, for accounts where the, uh, the owner is either deceased or the owner is a trust. So the, uh, the third one listed there is, uh, is an heir by kinship type of a, uh, type of claim process. So, uh, this follows what is technically called California intestate succession or what is commonly known as kinship law, meaning nearest living next of kin. Now this happens when somebody passes away and they haven't left a, you know, a legal document for the distribution of their estate, a legal document such as a trust or a will, uh, or their, their estate was never probated in a court of law. So in other words, uh, decisions have not been made about who gets what from that person's estate. Um, and when that happens, then the California state legislature has predetermined who gets what. So if you don't have a will or a trust, well, the, the California state legislature has a will for you, for your estate. Um, and that's an entire, <laughs> entirely different uh, conversation to have because uh, that gets that gets a little um, that can feel complicated especially if there's like a second marriage and you know there's children uh, from the prior marriage and etc cetera, etc cetera. so uh, that's something that we can maybe dig into on um, on another episode but uh, uh, all of those details of course are are uh, in the um, in the claim guide for a person who needs to make a claim as an heir, as a nearest living next of kin uh, heir. Uh, the fourth process is what I call the trustee executor or administrator uh, process. So this would be a, um, a situation where uh, there's either a trust or there's a will or the estate was probated in a court of law, in which case there are now legal documents that, uh, that discuss who gets what, 
the uh, the originating trustees or the grantor trustees of a trust, for example, are deceased, and uh, now there's what's called or what was the, the successor trustee has now become the trustee of the trust. And the trust is still open and active, meaning that um, uh, it hasn't yet been recognized that all property has been distributed to the, to the beneficiaries of the trust. So the trustee is still the legal authorized individual to handle anything related to the trust. Um, an executor is somebody who is the legal representative of a will. Uh, so somebody has passed away, leaving an estate, leaving, an a, leaving a will for that estate. And uh, the executor steps in and, uh, and goes ahead and, and carries out the wishes of that person that were communicated in that will. And then an administrator is similar to an executor uh, in a way, but there's no will. So the value of the estate that the person left behind is enough where the state of California probate law requires that estate to be administered by a court. And again, then this goes back to the nearest living next of kin, according to the state of California, but because of the value of the estate, it has to go through a court process. Uh, so that one is where, you know, you're an individual who is the one responsible for that estate. You may or may not be an heir. I mean, in most cases, you're an heir. Uh, but in some cases, we see that, you know, sometimes it's a friend who is uh, nominated by the person who passed away uh, to be the person to represent their estate after they pass or something like that. And they don't really have a financial interest, uh, but they are a trusted party by that person. Uh, so, but it's usually, you know, somebody who is, uh, also a beneficiary, um, of the estate. And then, and then lastly, the last process is called heir by dissolved trust, closed estate or pro or unprobated will. And uh, again, there's a uh, there's an estate document such as a trust or a will, uh, or a, a, a probated estate that went through uh, a court administration. And uh, however, uh, picking on the trust again, in this case, a trust would be dissolved. In other words, uh, at some time in the past, uh, the um, it was determined that all property, all known property was distributed to the beneficiaries of the trust. Um, but now this unclaimed property has come up. Well, what do you do? You know, how does that work? What are the rules of claiming, successfully claiming uh, those accounts that have come up? And, and I have found some uh, very, you know, valuable accounts in the past for uh, estates that have been closed or that, that for trusts that have been dissolved and so forth. Uh, the rather, you know, kind of a side note here or a little bit more unique in this particular mix is the unprobated will where somebody left a will, uh, but it uh, the estate didn't rise to the value of requiring probate. 
And so the will is there and is clearly documented who gets what. And how does that work? You know, what are the rules surrounding that one? And so those three situations are encapsulated, you know, in that one, um, in that one process. So is that about as clear as mud? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, I do have one question though. How, sure. how long does the process take? Like what's the, what does it look like from, from beginning to end? Uh, sure. So, um, the, uh, first of all, first off, that's a great question. It's a question I, I, I have gotten a lot from people. Uh, you know, you always want to know what to expect. So, um, and unfortunately the answer to the question is, well, it depends. It, it kind of depends. So, uh, but generally speaking, most people are going to fit into the somewhere between six to nine month time frame from the time that you submit your claim to the state of California until the time that you actually receive the proceeds from a successful claim in your hand. Right. However, uh, in some circumstances, it can go a lot faster than that. So um, if your account fits sort of a narrow set of uh, rules, so to speak, uh, and qualifies for uh, their online approval process, you can actually have your money within about two weeks. So it's, it's a really cool process that they have where, uh, as I understand it, um, it doesn't really reach human hands, so to speak. It goes through a, 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 an automated process. And if they have enough in, good information reported about you on their end, and they can verify that with the information that you submit, they can very quickly uh, approve your claim and get your money out to you. However, um, and again, while I'm an expert on the research and claim processing and what's required for an approval and how to get through kind of a sticky approval process, if you find yourself there um, and stuff like that, I'm, I'm, I'm an expert on that. I've, I'm not an expert, however, on the administrative side. So for instance, I've never worked for the unclaimed property division in California. So, you know, that's why I say sometimes, you know, uh, I'm, my understanding is this, but my, you know, I don't have absolute knowledge. And that's all I'm trying to say there uh, is that, you know, once, once you submit your claim online, you'll know immediately whether or not your claim is eligible for that particular process. And in, in the majority of cases, as I understand it, um, the requirements are so narrow that the majority of claims will not be eligible for that particular process. So, and that's fine. You know, the, the state has an obligation to be careful in how they process everything to make sure that you are the person you're representing yourself to be in order to prevent fraudsters from coming in and uh, taking your money. So, and I think we all have an appreciation for that. Um, but, uh, and, and then there's a, there's another process that's not known to the public. This is one of those insider things. It's an expedited claim process where if you're in a current life situation, uh, where, you know, you, your health has deteriorated significantly in your, in your terminal, um, or, uh, you're in a, you're in a difficult financial situation. If you have a, in other words, if you have a medical hardship or 
you know, you have a, a, a financial hardship of some kind, then the uh, the state understands that these situations require an expedited price process. And in that case, they will approve your claim and have the money out to you within about 60 days. Uh, that does require human handling, uh, mm-hmm. but they do expedite it. Uh, but again, the majority of people uh, can expect, you know, somewhere between uh, six and nine months. And in certain cases, especially those that involve uh, claiming proceeds from uh, stock, you know, shares of stock, some additional research needs to be done on the back end. And that can add some months uh, to uh, to that. So it could take, you know, a year. I, I've actually seen claims. Uh, this is really rare. This is really rare. So I, I don't want people to think that this would happen to them for sure. But I've seen claims take two and three years, actually, from beginning to end. Yeah. Um, uh, because some of them that I got involved with were uh, were very complicated. And, uh, and the evaluator just kept demanding more and more information from us, which we always, you know, always provided. And, uh, but it did take some additional time in that case, but usually with stock, um, sometimes if you're not within that six to nine month time frame, you should certainly be within a one year time frame with most, uh, stock claims for sure. Right. Um, now what's really cool though, is that the, um, the client claim guide itself uh, does come with a checklist and this checklist just sort of um, it streamlines everything. So in other words, you go to the checklist and it will tell you exactly what you need for your particular situation, which forms you need, what documents you need, uh, how, you know, so for instance, how do you prove address as mm-hmm. an example? The, the checklist will provide those options. The guide will explain what that means. There are links within the checklist that take you to the specific area of the guide that, that gives those explanations and provides ideas on how to obtain those and, and stuff. So uh, all of it is pretty slick and straightforward as far as, um, as, far as use goes, you know, how convenient it is to use and, and get to the information that you need. There's also a section in there on how to search for unclaimed property. This might seem pretty straightforward, but I discovered over, you know, approximately a 10-year period that there are ways to find unclaimed property that belong to you that you're not going to think about. And it took years uh, for me to understand the different ways of finding unclaimed property. And all those tips are contained in the guide as well. And then I don't know if you noticed this or not. Did you see the sections for like power of attorney and legal guardian? Yeah, that's that's something I'm not super familiar with. You want to tell me a little bit more about that? Sure. So um, some people, uh, so starting with the power of attorney, yeah, some people um, have reached a point in their life where they can't make decisions on their own, or you know, maybe they're uh, maybe they're in a coma or they have some other type of health issue that prevents them from being able to, you know, um, uh, take care of their own financial needs. Um, in that case, there's a document called a power of attorney that that person can uh, sign and, uh, and give that legal authority to somebody else that they trust 
to make those decisions for them. Uh, and that person then is called an attorney in fact. So they're the attorney in fact for this particular person who no longer has the ability to, uh, to take care of those needs uh, that they have on their own. And there are a particular set of rules that the state of California has. We won't get into the details of that today, but it's spelled out in the claim guide um, how to use that power of attorney document so that your claim will be approved. Um, and I'm here to tell you that if you don't follow those rules to the T, they will deny that claim every single time. And it, it frustrates people to no end. Um, now, the legal guardian one, little more straightforward where, you know, every once in a while, it's rare, but it happens. A minor child is say, you know, an heir to an estate. Uh, and because maybe their parent who was the direct heir, let's just say has passed away. And so now they're the heir to the estate of, you know, grandma or grandpa or what have you. And so because they're a minor child, then their legal guardian, in most cases, their parents uh, now need to be the ones to step forward and, um, you know, sign the doc sign the forms and submit the documents and everything, act on behalf of that child as their legal guardian. Mm -hmm. And in other cases, there are adults who have legal guardians, for instance, a person who, uh, whose special needs uh, mm -hmm. or something like that. And... Uh, they have a legal guardian who can then step forward. And, and I've worked with uh, quite a number of claimants who are in that situation where they represented a special needs person who was an heir or even an owner to an account, and they were able to be successful. Uh, and all of that is explained in each one of these processes where uh, the potential exists, where the person may not be able to move forward on their own, and uh, there's somebody else there representing them to be able to move forward for them and be successful. So all that's spelled out very clearly and simply in, in the guide in each one of the uh, processes that's, a, that's there. 